Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Star Trek Day was last week, and boy, did we ever learn a lot about Star Trek coming up and Star Trek past and all this kind of stuff. Lots of really cool interviews. That's what we're talking about this week. I'm Dan Gunther. This is Positively Trek. And joining me, as always, of course, is my partner in crime and this crazy endeavor of ours, Bruce Gibson. Bruce. How are you this fine Saturday morning? I am doing wonderful. We have taken down all of our Star Trek Day d- decorations. The tree is gone. The wreaths are off the door. And I'm ready for the new year. I've got my pile of Rod Roddenberry bunting behind me that I've rolled <laughs> up. It's, uh, yeah, we've got it all packed away. <laughs> Well, there is so much news out of Star Trek Day that we want to talk about. We can't just talk about it between the two of us. We need to bring someone else in. So how about Brandy Jackala? Let's bring Brandy in. Brandy, how are you doing? I'm great. Do you know how hard it was for me not to laugh out loud while you guys were doing your bits? A little too much eggnog there, Brandy? Uh, no, 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 no. That was Andorian whiskey. Thank you very much. Because ah. if the Romulans have whiskey, so did the Andorians. Well, for those of you who were lucky enough to be able to watch Star Trek Day live, that was really cool. We had all these different panels, but even if you didn't get to do that, they were, of course, available after the fact. If you haven't watched those, we will have links to all of those in the show notes for this episode. Uh, We're going to be talking about some stuff to do with trailers and possible spoilers. So if that's not your thing, you might want to skip over those bits. We'll we'll give you some warning if we're talking about the stuff in trailers or uh, the other thing, of course, is Lower Decks. We have some folks out there who aren't necessarily watching Lower Decks. We'll tell you when we're going to talk about what's coming up there because we had a really cool mid-season trailer for Lower Decks as well. Uh, and some surprises there. And of course, Strange New Worlds. We got kind of our first dedicated discussion about Strange New Worlds, the new series coming in a couple of years with Pike number one and Spock. And I see Brandy just jumping up and down with excitement already at, at the prospect of talking about this. So we'll get there. I want to start with Discovery because this series of panels started off with a Discovery panel. And that panel itself started off with what I was kind of anticipating would be the case, but was still thrilled and excited to see a Discovery Season 3 trailer. So we're going to talk a little bit about that for the next few minutes. The Discovery trailer, first impressions, 
Bruce and Brandy, what did you guys think of this trailer? Let's start with you, Bruce. I don't even know what to say when I think about this trailer. I mean, I love the trailer. I'm excited about season three. Uh, I don't think I learned a whole lot more about what we're going to get in season three from, from what I knew before, but I did like seeing Burnham uh, being a little more light and laughing and seemed to having a little more fun. I've seen a lot of fans and other people talk about that online because we're seeing her character evolve from what we've seen from seasons one and two. And now that history is put behind her and now she can move forward, not even just in the future of moving forward, but just in the way of moving forward in her life and then seeing uh this new character booker and just some of the other things in there and what's going on with the federation i'm stoked i mean i'm counting down the days the weeks you know till we get to this season i'm i'm really ready more than ready for this season to start definitely yeah me too uh brandy yeah, uh, I got emotional during the trailer. <laughs> yeah, that's probably no surprise to anyone who knows me. <laughs> I know. It was just that moment when Michael is asking the computer in the suit, you know, are, are there life signs? Are there life signs? And it finally says multiple life signs. <laughs> and her, oh, that made me emotional when how happy she was. So, yeah, but there was, there was a lot there that... Obviously, it's out of context. A lot of it's out of context, and that's actually kind of normal for a trailer. But I liked just seeing more of what we ha haven't seen before. And even if I don't know the context, I, I'm so excited for this. And there's a cat. You guys, there's a cat. <laughs> yep. I love cats. So that made me super happy because we haven't had a cat since next generation we had a dog in enterprise and we had a cat in next generation but other than that you know we haven't seen a lot of animal companions i don't want to say pets because that implies that you know they're subservient and i think that uh, that relationships with animals are more of uh, you know symbiotic i guess you know, give and take so no one person is better than the other and no one animal is better than the other anyway i digress but yeah you're going to glare at me for this but we do have dr taana anyway i'm sorry moving on <laughs> <laughs> she loves cats she's just a cat in a coat right yeah I, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that off mic. Anyway, <laughs> just kidding. So yeah, I was, I was thrilled to get to see my, my crew because I make no secret of Discovery being my favorite Star Trek. That could possibly end up being tied with Strange New Worlds when that starts. I'm not saying that it's possible or impossible. I'm just saying it might. I just am so thrilled. And I love David Ajala. And so I was so stoked to see more than just like a line or two from him in this trailer. That made me very happy. So all thumbs up for me. And of course, I've been stoked for this ever since I heard that there was going to be a season three. So that's been quite some time. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's dive into the trailer a little bit. So we learn a little bit more about the state of the universe that Discovery finds itself in. They're in the year 3188. We get an exact year for where they arrive. Uh, we learn about the burn book tells us about you know the it's when the galaxy took a hard left uh so the burn it seems to be this uh state of affairs where maybe there's this huge environmental disaster or something like that 
that has left the galaxy in a state of uh disrepair something that has diminished the federation the federation still exists starfleet still seems to be there but in a much diminished capacity and uh, we get some lines from various people that we always thought the federation was out there but we didn't know for sure or something like that so yeah what do you think the burn is i have a theory Uh, i'm curious what the two of you think the burn might be well there was that whole regulation of warp drive back in TNG. So I've heard some theories about that. I I don't really have a theory per se, but I will say one thing that I really don't think is what it is. But you know how so many things are connected to Michael Burnham? And I thought the burn, could that be somehow referring to Burnham in a way (laughs) that she did something in the past that relates to this later and this becomes now an alternate timeline future that they have to get back and fix? I'm not saying that's it, but when I watched the trailer the second time, it, that just came to mind when, when book says Burnham and then the burn, I was like, Hmm, could there be a connection there? I doubt it, but, uh, I don't really know if I have any theories except for, yeah, there's gotta be something that's happened in the galaxy that has created some kind of climate change or something to the universe. Interesting. Brandy, any thoughts? I haven't had a lot of time to think about this simply because I have had I had power outage problems on Star Trek Day and got to participate in none of the stuff on the day it happened. I was burned. Actually, I was windblown, so I was wind burned. Um, but so I've been playing catch up and I only just watched the trailer for the first time two days ago. However, In thinking upon it, the only thing that comes to mind that could have such widespread galactic effect might have something to do with the mycelial network. That's the only thing I can think of. So I like that. I don't I don't know what else. I mean, I'm sure they're going to have a very good in-universe explanation for all of this, uh, because otherwise, why do it? But I just, that's the only thing I can think of that would really span the entire galaxy in that way and be so catastrophic. So I'm going with that's my very loose uh, theory. I like it. Yeah. I, I feel like this is, this is kind of my loose theory is that something has happened that has made warp drive impossible throughout the galaxy or throughout large parts of the galaxy maybe bruce you brought up the warp 5 speed limit thing from tng the the idea that lots of use of warp drive could degrade subspace to the point where it collapses and warp drive isn't possible in a region uh there's that there's also the omega molecule if omega molecules are exploded they disrupt subspace and make warp drive impossible could be something like that. My guess is it's probably something we've never heard of before that has done this because, you know, they tend to do their own thing and not necessarily rely on legacy stuff. But regardless, I think everyone in the Federation or maybe large parts of the Federation are cut off from each other. Hence that, you know, we always thought the Federation was out there, but we didn't know for sure. And then Discovery comes from the past, and they have a spore drive, which can make use of the mycelial network. And from the tone of this trailer, Burnham says something like, we've been tasked by the Federation to solve all of these problems. We've been given the mandate and the the support to do this. I think Discovery becomes a troubleshooting ship that zips around the galaxy trying to bring the Federation back together 
in the 31st century. That's my guess based on this trailer. Of course, Brandy, as you say, there's a lot of out of context things and things out of order. So who knows? This could be completely different than anything that I think here. But one thing that comes across here, of course, is the state of the Federation and and how these all these disparate planets seem to be cut off from each other. Uh, well, at the same time, it, there is still that multicultural aspect to it. We see lots of different species in the trailer. I don't know. What do you think of the Federation at this time? What do you What do you feel like some of the challenges are going to be that we see in this new space? Because what book says something about the the Federation pretty much collapsed or pretty much something after the burn, right? So. Uh, but we do see a Starfleet officer as well. So we do, we do know they have a presence here. Yeah, I mean, my impression is Starfleet and the Federation still exist, just on a much smaller scale. And I like that they're going with this because as much as I want the Federation to last forever, nothing lasts forever. Everything evolves, everything changes, and things could be changing for the better in some ways, and some could be changing for the worse. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily expect the country I live in to be like this forever. It, you know, a thousand years from now, the United States could be maybe something different or I don't know. You know, you just never know what's going to happen in the future. In some ways, don't want it to be as if the Discovery crew is going to reestablish the Federation and fix it and everything goes back to normal. I want to see it maybe evolve into something different something positive something right but maybe not be just the same thing because to me that's just what evolution is things change yeah i i agree with that at the same time it seems like they're going to spend a, a fair amount of time just getting discovery running again because i don't know if you recall it was crashed into the ground and is not operable at this time so I actually like that aspect of it, that that trip really just took everything that they had, both from the suit and from the Discovery. And I, I remember seeing in the teasers leading up to this, uh, Michael wanting to figure out where it went wrong and go back in time and fix it. And I thought, where are you going to get another time crystal? So <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that I just, I, I don't know yet, but I know that Burnham's first instinct is to take it upon herself and say, oh, I can fix this. And I don't think she's going to be able to fix it in that way. The interesting thing, the interesting aspect that I thought of is all of these people, you know, the, the scene that we got with the uh, character saying that we thought the Federation was still out there. That means their communication between planets has also been severely inhibited meaning they can't contact other worlds and everybody's cut off from everybody else. So I don't know exactly how they're going to fix that. It's not going to be an easy fix. I don't think it's going to be an easy fix. I think it's going to be one of those things where Burnham is like, no, I'm going to fix this. And then you get further into it and she's like, okay, no, that, there's no fixing this. Let's, let's do what we can to now move forward. That's my theory anyway. Yeah, I, I like that you brought up Discovery crashed in the planet. I, I know from the panel they said that that will be an ongoing thing, that like it takes a bit to get over that hurdle. Like that's not going to be just a quick little, oh, we crashed, okay, we're fine. So I would list uh, Discovery crashed in the glacier there as one of my favorite bits of the trailer. Like when that came up on the screen, I was that was like a... <gasps> 
moment. Yeah. That was what a gorgeous shot, first of all, but also heartbreaking as well. So what were kind of some of your favorite bits from the trailer that just really stuck out to you that spoke to you in this trailer? And and also, I do want to also shout out, Brandy, a moment you mentioned, which was Burnham shrieking in delight when the computer discovers life signs. And the thing is, like I've seen online some people saying like, oh, that means, you know, she's happy the Discovery crew's alive. It's not just that. Their entire mission was to bring that out of the the time period to prevent the loss of all life in the galaxy. So that is a sign that their mission on that level succeeded. And that's, I think, what she is so emotionally happy about. They succeeded in their mission to save all life in the galaxy. Um, So yeah, favorite, other favorite moments. Um, Bruce, do you have any favorite moments that stuck out to you? I don't know. The, what you just said about them trying to save all life in the galaxy, and they did, then maybe they were successful, but not fully successful. And that's what we see related here is some of the problems. It's like, I, I, I don't know. It's just, I thought maybe those two things are connected. They get there. Yes, we were successful, but oh no. But then something happened with control later or something. I don't know. Anyway, other th- scenes and things in here. I'm looking, you know, I'm actually looking at the trailer right now. I've seen a lot of people talking about Saru. So we do get to see Saru has the pips showing that he is a captain at some point later in this, which is, I think, a lot of people's fantasies of wanting that to happen. So I'm pleased to see that. I'm, I'm going to say first non-human captain in as, as a lead character in a show. We've all had human captains up to this point, so... Or Terran captains, I guess, in one instance. Right. Gosh, I loved every moment of the trailer. How are you asking me to pick one? I loved seeing more of Book, and I loved seeing a cat... And (laughs) I really enjoyed seeing Michael reunite with Tilly and Saru and everybody. That was another emotional moment for me. Love Michael's hair. Oh, my Lord. But, you know, honestly, Sonequa is going to look good no matter what her hair is doing. Because I've seen her with many different hairstyles and she's always just glorious. I love the new Michael. This Michael who is somewhat unburdened from her past and now can create her own future as she sees fit and you know enjoy herself we don't get to see michael enjoying herself a lot and i think we see a good portion of that in this trailer and that just really struck me and made me happy i i don't necessarily know that they crash landed on the same planet that's an assumption, and I'm not 100% sure that Michael and Discovery are in the same place. She might have ended up on a moon, and they crashed into a planet. It's hard to say, because she was really spinning off trajectory in that trailer. Honestly, I hope they're on the same planet, because that's going to make it easier to reunite. <laughs> and reunite, they do. We did get to see that, but yeah. You know, Brandy, what about this? I thought you would mention the scene where uh, Reno says about dysfunction is the team and Stamets is like, yeah, we've accepted. She's like, no, we haven't. (laughs) That's a great scene. (laughs) I laughed out loud at that. That was terrific. I'm happy to see more Jet Reno. That just pleases me no end. But we knew we were going to get that with her going into the future with them. So I can't uh, can't argue with that decision at all. I love Jet Reno. More, More capable women. I love it. Absolutely. Speaking of capable women, uh, I want to 
call out a part of the trailer that not a lot of people are talking about. I just, I love that scene. And I think it's in a bar of some kind where, uh, the, the guy, I'm going to call him mullet says to Giorgio, you know, you have no authority here. And she just like smashes a bottle over his head as if to say, like you were saying, like, I, I love Giorgio. That scene in the trailer really reminded me of, uh, the novel die standing by, John Jackson Miller. If you haven't read that, it's all about Giorgio and why you would never accuse her of not having authority because that's what drives her is having control and authority over lives and people. And yeah, don't imply that that's been taken away. That that was a bad move. (laughs) Yeah. Also, yes, let's talk just very briefly about Grudge the Cat. We have another animal like you said joining the ranks of spot and porthos and number one we have another star trek beloved pet here and she is a massive cat and just gorgeous books cat and uh, i'm really looking forward to meeting grudge and getting to know more about her yes grudge is a main coon and 18 pounds actually played by a he but hey you know, you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, Porthos was played by a female dog named Breezy for most of the time. So, you know, it's it's allowed. And what was Spot? Yeah, Spot was a he when we started and suddenly became a she. Maybe there's been more than one Spot, you guys. <laughs> I, I feel like Data was just a bad pet owner and there were multiple Spots. <laughs> <laughs> he's just not creative with the names. Guys, he's killed another cat. <laughs> we got to get another orange tabby in there ASAP. <laughs> yeah that that cat scores and and yeah spot did change breeds a few times too it was usually an orange tabby usually later on an orange tabby but the first spot was uh very much not (laughs) yeah uh, that cat is glorious and uh we we do get a bit about that cat in the discovery panel i really appreciated the panel because it gave me more insight into the kind of person that David Ajala is, which I kind of already knew, but it just confirmed what I believed and that he is a fantastic human being. So I'm really looking forward to him. Last thing I want to bring up with regards to the Discovery trailer is the new logo for Discovery. So we're moving past uh, the logo that we had for the first two seasons, which they said in the panel was tied to the Klingon War and the original series aesthetic. And now we've got this new different logo, Star Trek in like the TOS font, but Discovery in this very different font, uh, kind of future looking with a nice little flourish on the V. Uh, yeah, I, I like this. I think it's neat that we're going to get a little bit of a rebranding of the series, seeing as it's so much fur- far removed from anything Star Trek's done before. Yeah, I mean, I like the logo. This is the first time we've seen a logo change like this to this extreme in a mid-series. And the only thing that really comes to mind outside of this would be on Enterprise, where they added Star Trek to the logo in the third season. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the, the Enterprise, the font and the style still looked the same. But this is a big departure from what was done before. And I mean, it looks good. I'm okay with it. I like. I wish that we could kind of just keep with the same style throughout a show. But I'm okay with the change because I do like the look of this. The thing I find also interesting is that they mentioned that the previous style was to have somewhat of a Klingon type look to it, which I agree. It kind of has that look to it. But that style is used in Picard in the opening credits 
in the Star Trek logo. So I just wonder, and I'm almost 99, I am 99% sure that they'll probably change that too. So if this is a Klingon style, why was it used in Picard? I think probably just because it looked good. Yeah, they just, they intended it to be more Klingon style and... They got to Picard and just went, I'll just use that. I just think if they were probably looking this, this is the new Star Trek look. And I think they've decided they want to abandon that look. It's really what's happening. Let's go with the old look. I, I actually don't mind that they changed the logo because they're now not beholden to canon. And they're not even in the same century as anything we've ever seen in Star Trek before. So this is a whole new world of Star Trek, and it should have a logo that befits that. And they very purposely did that. So I found it to be interesting. I just kind of went, oh, oh, shiny. And, <laughs> you know, so I, I didn't mind. Yeah, I personally think it's a really good move. I think it's a necessary move, and I'm glad that whoever thought of it that they went with that. I, I like that. I'm really eager to see the opening credits for season three as well, because I feel like, you know, they changed them from season one to season two, but I think the season three ones are going to be an even bigger departure as befitting the new setting that we find ourselves in. So I, I think it's, I'm very excited for what's to come with discovery for sure. Let's move on from there to uh, lower decks. And uh, so just a warning, we're going to be talking about lower decks now. So if you're not watching Lower Decks, if you're unable to watch Lower Decks, we're going to be spoiling some things uh, from that series that they talked about in this panel. And there were some surprising spoilers in this panel. And I think in the little mid-season trailer that they released as well. So uh, the first really big reveal, well, let's talk a little bit about the panel first. I loved seeing these characters, these actors all together. And like Jack Quaid is just Boimler in this panel. <laughs> it's so great. I think he was talking at one point about when his character got naked in the first episode and his girlfriend's like, oh, they, it just looks like you. And he's like, oh, great. Thanks. He said, oh, she said, oh, they used your body. <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah oh poor jack quaid he's so adorable and good-natured oh so great uh but yeah the big spoiler i think that we got of course was mike mcmahon uh letting us know that q will show up on lower decks not as like a big focus as on an in an episode so to me it sounds like just kind of a cameo appearance but it is q as played by john delancey and we see the mid-season trailer a little bit later and we get that little voila from john delancey as q in his judge's robes on the bridge of the cerritos as well so i don't know what do you think like i i this was kind of one that i figured would show up in lower decks at some point Q's just a natural fit so uh, I'm excited what do you guys think about bringing in John Delancey as Q again I personally love it I don't see how you can have a next generation era show and not do that not make reference to that because he he was what got the show started and he is what was he was the person there at the end and several places in between they are inextricably intertwined. So to not have a cameo from John Delancey would be heresy. 
I think I would be more excited if I knew Q had a bigger role in this episode, if this was like a Q episode, but it just sounds like what you were saying, like a quick cameo. I just have a feeling it, it may be just like the cold opening or it could be something maybe at the end. I mean, we saw a little bit, like you said, in the trailer. And so, I mean, I'm glad it's happening. I'm excited to see that. I just wish it was something more. So a quick cameo is just like a nice to have, but it doesn't get me too excited about it. Yeah, I'm I'm personally excited. I always there's a there's a line in the Deep Space Nine Q episode Qless, where Cisco says something like, "Oh, I've never met him, but I went to a Starfleet conference on Q," and blah blah blah. And ever since then, it always I, it's been in kind of my head canon that yeah, he shows up on the Enterprise and Voyager, but he probably pops in on like hundreds of other ships just for the heck of it because Q I guess I don't know like and and maybe this is just one of those like we find out like yeah he shows up every few months or whatever just ignore him whatever I don't know that just tickles me I like the idea that he's just popping in and out I saw online somebody saying that like maybe he shows up on the Cerritos bridge and looks around he's like oh this isn't the Enterprise whoops and like disappears or something and even that would be funny I'd be cool with that like he just shows up where's Jean-Luc yeah exactly <laughs> so we also learned that in that same episode Kurtwood Smith will be guest starring as a character and uh, I'm excited for this I love Kurtwood Smith of course he was the Federation president in Star Trek 6 the undiscovered country Anorax in the Voyager two-parter year of hell and Odo's predecessor Thrax from the Deep Space Nine episode things past so uh, he is going to be showing up in that episode as a character called Clar. So I'm I'm curious to see what his role is in this. And he's got such a distinctive voice. I'm eager for Kurtwood Smith as well. I agree. I've actually, the first time that I ever saw Kurtwood Smith was actually RoboCop. So it's been a good 30 year, 30 year run, more than 30 years that I've been a fan of his. So when he popped up in Star Trek, that made me happy. Very, very happy. And I'm glad that he is uh, going to make an appearance in Lower Decks. He does have that great voice. He really, really does. He's just, I love him. I love him. He, he, can, he is very good at becoming different characters to the point where you're just like, I know that guy from somewhere, but you can't quite place it. And you have to look it up and go, oh, of course, it's Kurtwood Smith. Well, the other panel that I really wanted to focus in on in this last little bit here is, of course, the Strange New Worlds panel. And this is our first kind of real look at this show, talking to the cast and stuff. And and we learned a few things, nothing really new, just a few little hints here and there. There's, of course, been nothing shot yet for this show, but you know, they are working on it. The writer's room is, is working on this. And I, I think for me, my favorite thing was finding out how the actors found out that they got the series. And it was like Alex Kurtzman on the phone, eating an apple, just all casual. She's like, uh, so Anson, uh, we got a show. And he's like, what? And I love that. Like what a really cool little Hollywood story. I thought that was really cute. Yeah, well, it also brings to light that Akiva Goldsman was told early on, before they even started working on season one, that they were bringing Pike into it later. And it, well, they were bringing Pike into it. And he was expecting that in season one. And then he got there. And he's like, Oh, we're not doing that now. Oh, okay. He kept championing the idea of a Pike series. But I think what really brought it to 
its natural conclusion was the reaction of the fans to how well those three characters worked together and their immediate chemistry. And we just wanted, we wanted more. We wanted more. So that, that pleased me a great deal <laughs> that, that Akiva Goldsman's dream came true. Yeah. I was pleased to hear that the, uh, the trio get along real well, that the chemistry was there, that it hit them. Cause that's so important mm-hmm. going forward in a series like this. So that's really good to hear. I was glad to hear that. And I was also, I, I didn't know that Alex Kurtzman was such a, you know, kind of low key guy. I mean, I see him on stuff, but it doesn't sound like he's all that fun to party with. But for all we know, maybe he is. There's one way to find out. He needs to show up at STLV. We'll meet at the bar and see how it goes. The gauntlet has been thrown down. Kurtzman, your move. Well, as we know, as we've talked about, I'm sure he's an avid listener to this podcast and hangs on our every word. So, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that'll happen. With Strange New Worlds, we talked about, of course, how it's episodic, but with a hint of serialization. So, you know, it will be more of a Planet of the Week type story, but with recurring storylines that kind of run through. The one thing that was brought up that I'm curious about is they talk about number one's mind-blowing backstory. So this is something that's been a recurring thing in Star Trek over the years. There are like five different backstories for number one's origins and where she's from and and why she's called number one and all this stuff. We're going to get a canon one now. We're finally going to find out canonically where is number one from, what's her backstory. And Part of me is really excited for that. Part of me is kind of sad because I love the just all the different myriad ones, which will all still be there. It should be noted. They're just won't they're just not canon. They never were. So, you know, I, I just need to make my peace with that. But I've loved this character for many, many years, and I love the idea that we're gonna get a true exploration of her background, and of course played by the wonderful Rebecca Romaine. I think this is going to be, for me, a real breakout character, as she was in Discovery, but even more so in in Strange New Worlds. I keep wanting to say Lower Decks. I don't know why. I'm really wanting them to go more the route with her character that we've seen in the novels and the comics. And I know some of them vary some, but there's a lot of connections that work, and she's Illyrian, and why she's named number one and of course they brought una from the novels into the series i don't I, w- I would want it to be at least closely related to what we've gotten before and not be a total departure from that and totally different but i mean i'm open to it i'm always interested in new things and, and new interpretations of stuff but i am the the star trek book guy in me is hoping that they kind of at least stay somewhat close not maybe exactly but at least somewhat close to what's been established before because i really enjoy Enjoy that aspect of her character in the books and I'd like to expand that more and learn more about that background. I am just going to trust the writers on this one that they will incorporate a backstory that will satisfy a great deal of people. No one is ever there's not going to ever be a 100% consensus on anything when it comes to Star Trek. But I trust them to do right by the character. And if Rebecca Romaine is happy with it, then that's good enough for me. Awesome. Yeah. Well, they also talked a little bit about things like Pike and his 
kind of knowing what's coming for him, but not knowing exactly how that all turns out in the end. I'm excited to see what they do with that. And of course, exploring this unique period in Spock's life as well, where he's trying to find that balance between logic and emotion and stuff. And I'm, I'm just all around excited for this show. I think these three actors are incredible. I think the writers have proven they're going to do some really interesting things. So uh, definitely excited for strange new worlds and number one's backstory and all of it for sure. Uh, so before we wrap up here, there were of course a number of other panels. We had a Voyager panel an enterprise panel with almost the entire cast reunited. Uh, we had an original series panel with George Takei and Rod Roddenberry and, and some incredible moments from all of these. And, and of course, a TNG slash Picard panel with Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes. So I just kind of want to hear from the two of you. Were there any other favorite bits from any of those panels that you've seen uh, that you wanted to share with us? Well, I'll be honest. I have not seen all of the panels yet because there are a lot of them, you guys. And I also work during the day. So the, the day that I could have watched them, I had no power. <laughs> So I I did indulge in the Enterprise panel because I have a deep and abiding love for Star Trek Enterprise. And there I have seen other panels where I've seen Connor Trenier and uh, John Billingsley. It was uh, it was odd for me to see John Billingsley on a panel where he wasn't dropping the F-bomb every other sentence. So (laughs) (laughs) he's got a big potty mouth and it's hilarious, you guys. So it was he's one of my favorite people on Twitter. I know (laughs) he is the best Twitter follow. And I was just so pleased. The only person that they didn't have was uh, Jolene Blaylock. And that I, I don't know why she wasn't available, but, you know, I will I was just so happy to see so many of them and to see to see Hoshi, to see <laughs> finally see Linda Park again. It was just uh, it was a joy and it confirmed what I have always felt about the cast, many of the cast and especially Scott Bakula, that he is just an amazingly decent uh, empathetic human being that just makes everyone's life better. So, and John Billingsley ain't no slouch either. He helps run an, a foundation that provides meals, like five course meals to anyone who needs them. And they provide so many meals every single day. And he's just always working on that. And I love that he is not only talking the talk, but walking the walk, as they did say in that panel. It was wonderful to see them all together again. It just brought me so much joy. I got emotional. I got emotional. (laughs) Big surprise. Yeah, I enjoyed all the things that you mentioned, especially what they were saying about Scott Bakula being the leader and giving the tone and the support of not just the cast, but the crew, making everybody feel important and and needed and and being someone there that is supportive of everyone. I also like the story of Connor Trenier talking about doing In the Mirror Darkly and not really getting that character where he wanted it. And then as a joke, he did a scene where he portrayed as a pirate and the director's like, that's it. That's perfect. And he's like, no, no, that was a joke. That was just a joke. To, no, no, no. I want you to keep doing like that. And he, for the rest of the episodes, he had to play it like a pirate and he hated it. Where the rest of the cast said they enjoyed doing the episodes, but he didn't. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think 
it's it's interesting you both focused on the enterprise panel. I did enjoy that as well, and John Billingsley especially jumped out to me. Um, my I think my favorite bit from all of the other panels would have to be the Deep Space Nine panel, uh, and it was towards the end when they were all kind of giving tributes to Aaron Eisenberg and Rene Aubergenois, uh, especially what Armin Shimmerman had to say. Uh, I, I was really moved by those tributes and, uh, you know, Armin Shimmerman, of course, being kind of the actor in that group that played the most with both of those two actors. I think, uh, it, it was really meaningful. And, and that's the part where I got a little misty eyed. I was, um, unfortunately doing a lot of video editing at the same time that I was watching the panels in the background. But I remember like for all of that, it had my rapt attention on it for that. And, and I was, I got a bit emotional for sure. I liked also earlier in that panel where Armin Shimmerman was telling the story about Nana Visitor saying to him in the first or two episodes or whatever, early in season one, like, do you think we'll ever be as popular as TNG? You know, they felt like they were in the shadow of TNG. And he says, oh, people will find us. We'll eventually get recognized. And they were talking about we're being recognized now, you know, that we're becoming so popular on Netflix and other streaming services. And there's a whole new generation of people and even the older generation that was wasn't watching DS9 are really now getting into it. And he goes, I told you it was going to happen and we're here now. So I really like that part because it's true. I hear a lot more people responding favorably to DS9 and saying it's their most favorite Star Trek series. Uh, one other thing I want to call out too is during the Picard slash TNG panel. And it was the interaction between Will Wheaton and Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes. And I, Another moment that I was getting emotional and Will Wheaton was getting emotional and misty eyed. And you could tell he was starting to get a little choked up when he was talking about how, when he was a kid on that show and his biological family had failed him. Like he put it as bluntly as that. And that cast became his surrogate family and looked out for him in a way that, that he, hadn't experienced before. And I think Jonathan Frakes even said something along the lines of at the time, we didn't know that your biological family had failed you that way, but you know, we just saw this young man that it was full of potential and a great person. And we wanted to nurture and guide him. And I, I was just like, as Will Wheaton's face started to get red and you could see the tears forming, I'm just choking up too. And I love these people. I love what Star Trek means to not just the audiences but the people who worked on the show and and came away from it with these experiences uh it's just incredibly moving and i you really feel like a part of the family when you're watching something like that i'm getting choked up and i haven't even seen it (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry to have spoiled it but it's it's worth it it's wow yeah oh i'm gonna watch all of them i'm gonna watch all of them It would have been great if they had been in the same room together for that, you know, that moment, Mm -hmm. because it would feel even more personal. And I'm sure they would have hugged him and it would have got even more emotional and gone on from there. Uh, You know, I want to call it the Voyager panel because that cast is a lot of fun and just seeing them all together. And it's great to see to hear that Kate Mulgrew and Robbie McNeil spend so much time still in communication with each other because they have the salamander children 
that they had together. So they need to, you know, still be in touch, their parents. So there's family there, too. We've got family everywhere in Star Trek. I love that they directly called that out. I was like, I can't believe they're actually talking about that. That That's great. (laughs) Oh, they talk about that on the Delta Flyers, too. The lizard babies get mentioned more than you would think. I can't wait to get to Threshold in the Delta Flyers. I think that's going to be incredible. It's going to be epic. The only panel we haven't mentioned now is the TOS panel. I think we've talked every one of them. And George Takei was on with with Rod Ronberry. And uh, the the big thing that take away from me with that was the Adventures of Robin Hood, the guy who choreographed the fight scenes, the sword fights, because George Takei wanted to use the wanted to do fencing instead of a samurai sword. And so he went and got lessons from the same choreographer does Robin Hood. And that's what inspired George Takei to want to do fencing was because he used to watch those Robin Hood movies. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a neat little story. Uh, one that I haven't heard. You know, I've, I've heard the story about him. You know, the actor gets asked, do you know how to fence? You say yes. <laughs> And he didn't. So he went out to get lessons. I had heard that story before, but yeah, the fact that he really wanted to do fencing because he watched that movie and then went to go get lessons. And it just happened to be the person who did the choreography on that movie was the one giving him the lesson. That was incredible. What a a really cool story. The other thing from that panel too, again, with Will Wheaton is just how much Will Wheaton was geeking out talking to George Takei. And like his eyes were as big as saucers at some of these stories because he's like a fan like us, you know? You know, if you want to hear about how much of a fan Will Wheaton is and was as a young person, uh, go look up on YouTube (laughs) uh, Will Wheaton singing William effing Shatner and that's all I'm gonna say just just go watch that just go watch that I'm not gonna say any more about this you need to go watch it it's it's incredible I'm not gonna say any more I don't want to get in trouble or or anything like that so I don't think I've seen it but I'm gonna check it out for sure and by the way real quick mentioning Will Wheaton he did a great job moderating the panels and so did Micah Burton who is LeVar Burton's daughter I thought she did a fabulous job too she was incredible. I was so impressed with that young lady and and uh, just an incredible rapport with everybody. And and the the special guest appearance, of course, of LeVar Burton himself in the Voyager panel at the beginning. Uh, spoiler alert, Brandy, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. It's okay. It's I'm going to see it anyway. It's fine. Excellent. I, I think all the Voyager cast was like, wrong panel, LeVar. What are you doing? But yeah, lot, lots of fun. But we want to hear from everyone out there. What was your favorite moment from the Star Trek Day panels? If you got a chance to see them let us know tweet to us at positively trek on twitter or send us an email positively trek at gmail.com so we really want to hear uh, your favorite bits from those panels and and what you took away from them for sure so brandy where can people find you online when you're not joining us here on positively trek to gush about enterprise and all these other great panels oh this list is too long you guys um 
So I'm just going to be as brief as possible on the Hall Sweet Media Network. You can find me on three podcasts, The Vedic Assembly about Deep Space Nine, Boldly Go about Strange New Worlds, and What the Future Holds about Discovery. And you can find all of those on the social medias as well. And on Saturdays at noon Mountain Time, I do a live show with my friend Aaron Harvey called Infinite Trek, where we talk about anything Trek or Trek adjacent. Right now, we are also covering Lower Decks, and he is a master of finding Easter eggs and making connections to the animated series. And it's it's a glorious bunch of fun. We have a really great time. You can find that, again, on Twitch, on Outpost 13 channel. It's just the word Outpost and the number 13 and it's released as an audio podcast on Tuesdays on the Trek Geeks Network. I do a podcast with my husband called the Dark Corner Podcast, and we just talk about whatever nerdy things we feel like, and sometimes weird things too, and sometimes tarot cards, and sometimes astrology, and you know, because Dave's into philosophy and mythology, and it's always interesting. And you can also find me on my solo podcast, Headcanon, where you can take a trip through my weird brain and my weird fandoms. Okay, my fandoms aren't weird, but you know, I'm weird and I'm okay with that. And you can find both of those at darkcornerpodcast.com. That's it. Awesome. Bruce, where can people find you? Well, speaking of podcasts, there's a new podcast out now called Star Trek, the pod directive official podcast. Yes. So uh, check that out with Tawny Newsom from Lower Decks. And also we have Paul F. Tompkins, who's a writer, comedian, actor, and he's going to be on there too. So I haven't checked it out yet, but yeah, because we recording before that came out so check that out but also check out the star wars report i'm on this week's episode uh, with riley blanton talking about star wars and of course you can find me on twitter at admiral underscore rex excellent and you can find me on twitter i'm at kurtrats that's k-e-r-t-r-a-t-s you can find me on youtube at youtube.com slash kurtrats productions where on friday nights brandy and i do the unready room talking about new episodes of lower decks so be sure to check that out it's always a lot of fun and also a very different conversation than we tend to have on positively trek so definitely worth checking out you can also find my website at treklit.com where i review star trek novels both old and new and speaking of star trek novels tune in later this week on friday we are dropping our episode about kewin law on the positively trek book club that was a fun discussion between me and bruce really looking forward to having you all hear that and let us know what you think but until then as always stay positive American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.